Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. On today's show, we have Bernie Wedge. Bernie's been in uh, the tech risk space for over 30 years. Uh, a lot of that time spent as EY's America's tech risk leader, where he drove a practice of roughly 3,000 people and $900 million. That is how I got to know Bernie. Uh, <laughs> was one of those 3,000 people uh, that worked with him. So for the last decade, he's been focused mainly on IT auditing and SOX compliance for financial services organizations. So think uh, some top 25 banks, the largest U.S. financial market exchange, and some global insurance companies are the type of uh, clients that he, he worked with. Recently, he achieved his Qualified Technical Expert Certification, or QTE. And that certification is from the Digital Directors Network and focuses mainly on reading board members to focus on digital like systemic risks like uh, cyber and the pandemic and things like that, which is really interesting because towards the end of the show, we talk about how something that came of socks is this need for a financial expert on the board, which obviously makes a ton of sense. Um, but I think now we are definitely in the age and it's kind of been a hot topic about at least from the cyber side of having somebody that knows cyber on the board. And I think that's a step, but really, you know, there's cyber, there's AI, there's all kinds of tech. Um, and that level of expertise is, I think, desperately needed at the board level. So that is something to consider, um, for your own board makeup. Um, anyway. Bernie recently retired from EY. Um, he's now an independent consultant and qualified board advisor. He sits on two nonprofit boards on their audit and technology committee. And like I mentioned a second ago, this show is mainly based around socks. Um, when I talk about Bernie's 30 years of experience in the space, it's it's largely around socks. And as someone that has all that experience um, and has been able to, since retirement, almost kind of take a step back and see uh, maybe what the trends are and where it's headed and see things from maybe a different perspective. That's one reason we wanted to have him on, especially considering the impact that the pandemics had. Um, I know it's a topic that I see mentioned in a lot of articles and uh, a lot of vendors are speaking to. So this is kind of the socks episode. So we talk about the difference between internal audit and external audit. Um, we talk about what socks actually is, the opportunities in socks. Um, one question I had that because uh, I guess kept seeing it all the time when when I was at EY doing external audit socks type work is 
we always kept seeing the same deficiencies with our clients, the same ones over and over um, every year. And so I asked Bernie, you know, what are those now and what can we do to try to get rid of those deficiencies? Um, and we talk about how to use analytics in SOX testing, which is something that I, I speak about a decent amount. Um, and we go into not why, but how to do that. Um, because I see a lot of misinformation out there about how to do it. So we'll get Bernie's take on how to do that. And then lastly, we talk about just the future of socks and kind of the trends that Bernie, um, was seeing and kind of continues to see. So a lot of good stuff in this one. Hope you guys enjoy. Here we go. Could you kind of give an overview of what socks is? And then I think within that, what would be helpful is the difference between internal audit and external audit. Cause we. We use those, but rarely does anybody kind of explain what that is. Well, thanks, Trent. And uh, yeah, so SOX still uh, been around for uh, uh, 18 years. This is the uh, uh, celebrating its 18th birthday. I sometimes say I wonder if it's an, uh, it's an adult or not an adult. Well, <laughs> it doesn't act like an adult uh, sometimes, but um, Sarbanes-Oxley, SOX is short for, and uh, really came, for those who know the history are relatively new at uh, came about um, as a result of um, some of the high-profile, uh, uh, you know, frauds, Enron, WorldCom, and all of a sudden we have uh, SOX. And SOX did um, a, a number of things uh, that changed the corporate uh, governance world, but of most interest to both probably internal auditors and external auditors is um, what we call the SOX 404 which is a requirement that annually um, management uh, tests their controls and certifies their controls are in place. And then an external auditor audits and issues and an opinion on those controls. So internal auditors can get involved in, in what's, you know, what's the difference. So management has to test control. So my experience over years is internal audit is many times involved in helping you know, with that testing, maybe they're performing the, the management testing on behalf of management. Management has to certify, as I said, you know, a CFO, CEO at the end of the year sign off on the control. So internal auditors sort of maybe take off their audit hat and actually are serving as the tester. Then external auditors come in, retest, reperform, sometimes relying on the work of internal auditors and issue their, their opinion on uh, controls on an annual basis. And then, so I know your area of expertise, even then, if we're, we're still thinking about socks, there's IT controls. And then depending on where you're from, you might call them assurance controls, or I, sometimes I call them the CPA controls or the business controls, but it's right. the, the non IT controls. And I know your background is in the IT controls um, space. And I know you have some some opportunities for improvements in the socks IT space. Um, well, not just specific to IT, but in general. Um, that I want you to speak to um, and then really like what are some actionable steps that we can take to apply those that like that feedback that you're going to give us what can we actually do so here's some opportunities here's how you can make the best of them okay well first of all in terms of opportunities and you're right you know IT controls are uh, just a part of the overall control environment usually a big part um, and, and it's interesting, well, let's start there. IT has uh, traditionally been the biggest source of uh, SOX deficiencies, you know, so 
if you're an IT auditor, internal auditor, and you're involved, you know, uh, the information you're looking at is generally the, the, you know, the information that in SOX has been subject to the most, um, most issues. Probably the two big things, I would say opportunities for improvement. Uh, one is uh, the governance and oversight of the program. And the other is just having a continuous uh, program improvement sort of mindset. So what am I saying about governance and oversight? Internal auditors are often you know, involved as one of the, we like to say, three lines of, of defense in an, in an organization and internal auditors clearly were involved. You know, many companies I saw though weren't thinking about SOX um, uh, they were thinking about, let's say, more as a compliance exercise and, and, and really uh, didn't put all the effort, the right governance and oversight, you know, over it. And, and so because of that, um, often, you know, things would, would happen and there was a lot of fire drills uh, in terms of kind of getting to the end of the year. Maybe an example of how to apply that, one of the best examples, you know, I saw is uh, deficiencies that would happen during the year they can be remediated uh, because when you look, think about SOX, and I mentioned 404, the opinion is as of the end of the year. So there's a chance if internal audit or external auditor finds something, let's say in May, um, you know, in the middle of the year, it can be remediated and retested. And then before the end of the year, more or less the auditor won't have to, to deal with it. So, um, but many companies aren't really geared up to, to have people in place to deal with that remediation and a good program to quickly, you know, jump on, you know, changing their process, people, technology, that sort of thing, and then, and then fix it. So that's one, one example. Uh, on the continuous program improvement, which is another area that, you know, I believe, um, you know, speaks to companies treating it more as a compliance exercise. They weren't really investing into making the program better and, and making it keep up with the times. I mean, a couple of examples of that uh, are automation. Um, you know, I know that you're involved, Trent, a lot in, in analytics and, and, and uh, tools, um, et cetera. And I still think the automation of SOX is way behind and many companies were not investing they had a lot of manual controls. Um, I think a recent survey I saw is still over two thirds of most companies' controls are, as you said, business manual in nature, and they're not automated. Um, um, you know, so that's a real opportunity improvement. I, I like to say there's a, there's a big case for the changing of controls in companies, be it moving from manual to automated, using uh, analytics uh, instead of transaction testing. Or, um, or trying to change the process and, and test a different type of control as opposed to the, the controls that maybe keep having deficiencies. Gotcha. And you mentioned that SOX is 18, 18 years old, but we still treat it like a child. Kind of, you, you don't know yeah. if it's a child or an adult kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and for maybe those that don't know, I think you know, what you mean by that is there's still issues that constantly pop up. Um, and so within the, the, the ITGC space, like what are those issues that we're still seeing? Where are they? And like, why do we still keep seeing the same thing? I know like, so the PCAOB, they, they put out their findings and say, this is what we're seeing trend wise, um, where there's issues. And it, for the most part, it seems like it's the same thing, uh, almost every year. I don't keep up with it as much as I did when I was in external. Um, but it, it was always kind of the recurring things. We'd go to training and it was like, hey, once again, this is the other thing that we need to pay attention to again this year. So so what are those? Where are they? And and why are they still occurring like they are? Yeah, you're right. It, and it's frustrating. What I saw in my last 
10 years, it seems like, you know, deja vu all over again every year, the, the same issues. And probably the number one is, you know, logical access, particularly in the identity and access area. You know, every uh, the whole suite of controls, you know, I, I had clients where issues were, uh, you know, the whole spectrum of, of the suite of controls were happening, everything from provisioning, setting up a new user to the annual periodic uh, access review, which has become a sort of an industry, you know, bugaboo to deal with that, all the way to terminated users, removing them from the system. So if, if, um, for the folks that aren't in IT audit or like an IT general controls background, what are logical access controls? Like what are some of those examples? I know you listed some of them, but what, what sure. are the more examples to wrap your head around it? Sure. So we think of the logical access, it's sort of like, uh, you know, cradle to grave, everything from when somebody joins the company, how they get their access set up, how they're given a new laptop, how they're given a user ID, and then they get the, um, the various access, we call it provision to the activities, functions that they need. Um, all the way to when they leave the company, uh, and then we have controls around, you know, when you get terminated, do you get timely removed if you leave the company? Um, and then in between, there's all kinds of controls that, you know, happen. Um, and when I talk about the periodic access review, one of the areas probably with the most issues that I saw is on a quarterly or semi-annual basis, um, companies will sort of re-attest that the access you've been given uh, when you started is still the right access and because maybe your job changed, et cetera. Then there's other access controls over things like um, operating systems and servers and the settings that are um, that are set up to, to, to various layers of technology there. So um, access, as I said, is generally the most voluminous number of controls, also the most voluminous number of deficiencies that, that I was seeing in my clients. Okay. And I think before we went off on that, you're talking about like how to fix those so that they aren't the re reoccurring issues. And we started to talk about, I think, automation a little bit and things like that. Did you want to kind of expand on that? Yeah, I, I do think um, automation is is one good um, uh, opportunity. Uh, the, the process today that many organizations have for access, let's take particularly that periodic access review I talked about, um, it relies on um, a huge manual set of, of interventions. Often uh, you have to pull the list of users out of an application that's in scope for SOX. You have to give that to a manager. If I was your manager, then I have to get what access that you've been given, sometimes on a spreadsheet or a download. I have to look at it and then sign off on it that, that it's still uh, appropriate. There's so many steps in that process that could go wrong. And for many companies, they haven't automated any of those those steps. There are some tools, you know, emerging, but uh, it's a complicated process. You know, many companies have hundreds of applications that are in scope for for SOX in, in the annual audit, and they come from different places and they have different infrastructure. So this periodic access review has to happen and the information has to be pulled sometimes from so many different sources that automating that, you know, is generally uh, an, an area that can be pretty, pretty fruitful. I mean, there's other easy examples like when people leave a company, I mentioned, you know, terminated access. Um, it became pretty common a few years ago that people would automate uh, terminations, meaning when you leave a company, do you, does your access automatically get turned off based on, let's say, a feed from uh, usually most companies, they're pretty good at removing your payroll. They don't want to keep paying you after you leave. And, and automation would be, for example, hooking in your payroll system 
to your access system so that minute you leave and the minute the HR people turn you off, quit paying you, that it sends a message to the access system to automatically turn off your access. That's an example of automation. Many companies have done that, but not all. Yeah. And, and we've talked about analytics before in, 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 on socks, and I see stuff all the time. Um, attention grabbing headlines, like using socks on your, or, or using analytics on your socks testing or whatever, or testing hundred percent of the pop of your socks population. And I've told this story before, if not here, I've, I know I've told it elsewhere multiple times that that was like the, my introduction to analytics in audit was when I first kind of started off in public accounting, we took the uh, terminated user access listing. So everyone that had been, uh, fired, retired, left, you know, on leave, whatever it was, took that um, access listing and then would compare it to the people uh, with access to the GL. And we would see, you know, there's 200 people with access to the GL and five of them terminated within the past, you know, six months, a year, whatever it was. And that shouldn't, they shouldn't be in there. And then we could say, we can see that these, you know, the controls didn't work effectively based on these five people not being in there. And instead of taking a sample, like we would normally do, we tested every single one of them. And I thought this is like the best thing ever. One, it's super repeatable. You know, it took, it took, you know, it takes 30 seconds to do the exact same test next year or next month or whatever uh, was needed. Um, and you tested the entire population instead of taking a sample. So I thought this is clearly what, where we're headed and what we're going to do. And I was able to get away with that for about a year. And then the, uh, the partner on the engagement came in and said, uh, yeah, you know what? We can't do that anymore. Cause when the, uh, partner on the, the engagement signs the, the, the audit letter, uh, the audit report, they're attesting to, or they're opining on um, the operating effectiveness of the controls. And if we don't actually test the controls, uh, if we use these analytics to test it, then we are um, inferring that the control is working effectively. And so that kind of blew that out of the water for like the external side. And, and so when people talk about Hey, we want to use analytics on our socks testing more. I always caution them on doing that because I don't want them to do a bunch of work and then the audit partner come back and say, "Yeah, oh, that's great, but you can't really do that. Um, we can't rely on that. So, yeah. um, but what is, how can we use analytics on socks testing? Like what would that process look like? Yeah. And that's a great example to use is let's, let's stick with that on, on uh, terminated users. Uh, a good example where I think internal auditors can maybe help a company think through this better because many internal auditors do know how, as you said, to test populations of users to see if any of them are, are terminated. And you said, you said the key point, how do things work today normally? The control that most companies have is, is like I said earlier, you leave the company, we rely on HR to notify someone in the security department to remove your access. And that's the control. How auditors test that today, they come in and test a sample, as you said, and guess what? They might find somebody who didn't get their access, you know, fully, fully removed. To me, a great example of the case for changing controls is to help companies think about this totally differently. The, the, the test you mentioned, which is very easy to do, which is to pull the entire population of users and compare it to the terminated user listing to see if people were removed. For example, if the company would in, implement that as their control, mm -hmm. instead of waiting for the auditor to come in and do that, 
that could be the control. Internal auditors, to me, this is a great opportunity for internal auditors to step up and maybe help is help design that control. You could run it using ACL or an analytic tool. You, you know, the company could run that scroll. The key, as you said, though, is the company needs to implement that as the way they monitor terminated users. So then the external auditor can look at the results of that analysis and not have a problem. That, to me, that's one of the best examples of if people think about the case for changing controls, changing the what is the control, how it's tested, then the auditor will have much less likelihood of finding a deficiency. Right. Super example. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you said that because the point, like I make that point all the time, hey, don't put a ton of time into that because uh, they're just gonna say you can't do it. And the key point that I need to start making sure that I include is you can do it and then hand it over to management and have them execute, which is basically uh, to some degree them pushing a button, you know, to do, to run it. Um, and then they can, that is the control. And that's kind of the, the, the best practice when it comes to analytics within internal audit is like, hey, yeah, we'll develop the thing for you. We'll build the report for you. And then we're going to hand it over to you. And then you, now you own it, you know, and that's the control. Um, is you doing it. So it's it's the same thing. So, hey, everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. I'm glad you mentioned that because there's always yeah. this socks talk about automating or, or, or using analytics. And um, I think there's a lot of confusion. So I think that that I think that should clear it up for a lot of people. That's yeah. And let me elaborate because I think too, this is a bigger opportunity. I want to talk about better governance and oversight is I really see an opportunity for internal auditors to be more involved in solving the problem, not necessarily, you know, auditing the problem. And I'm, and it's understood that independence, you know, needs to be in place, but the problem that, that we see time and time again is external auditors come in and they're often talking directly to IT people. We don't really understand audit, what you know, things are being looked for, and you know, deficiencies are found. You know, internal auditors are in a great position to use your the skill set they have, um, the understanding they have of what things are looking for, and to help management improve the controls, maybe hopefully before the external auditors get there. I think personally um, that can still be done with independence and objectivity and really be more outcome-based, help the company succeed. Um, and, and so I think that's an opportunity for internal auditors. I didn't see many internal auditors getting involved in that way mm -hmm. in the SOX process. So I encourage everyone listening to think differently, uh, you know, about that and to think how you can help, you know, get a better answer for your organization. Gotcha. And one of the things I also want to ask you, so the best way to predict the future is to have a historical data set, we'll say, uh, to refer to. And if the trend line's going up, then you can say we expect the trend line to go up. And you've been doing this a really long time. <laughs> and so like you, you've seen the trends over time, you have like that, that data set, that historical data set that's kind of, you know, in your head, um, and would be a good person to ask the question of what, like, what do you predict for the future of SOX or maybe 
a better way to say it is, what are the trends that you're seeing or expecting um, with socks? Yeah. Well, fortunately, the trend line right now that I see, you know, is um, is not that great. And what I mean in terms of the effort, I think people felt, you know, we, we, we kidded a couple of times about, you know, hitting 18 years. You'd think at this point, most large companies who've been been public, it's one thing if you, you know, been growing and maybe you, you weren't subjected to socks, but a lot of really large companies have been the whole 18 years have been subjected to this. And the, you know, some surveys I've seen recently is um, more than two thirds of the people surveyed were still had their hours that they were spending. This is the company management or internal audit together hours they were spending going up more than 10%. And the SOX compliance costs going up anywhere from five to 20% depending on the size. So the point is people are spending more and more time at this and why is that? And, and I do think it's because they're, they're, they're trapped a little in the compliance exercise you know, constantly putting fires out and really not stepping back and saying, how can we re-engineer, you know, the solution and change our controls and do other things to where we get ahead of this. Um, so, uh, so I think, you know, the trend I'd, I'd hope people would see would be, you know, more investment in, in governance, thinking about, you know, this is a, is a program and proactively uh, changing their set of controls, the way they test those controls, the way they present those to the external auditor, you know, the involvement of the internal audit function, you know, in the governance and the process. And I think all those things can hopefully, you know, lead to a better uh, outcome than people are, um, you know, seeing today. Okay. We're going to take it into a, a little different direction and ask what is within the profession audit uh, profession, you can slice that down to external audit or, or however you want to, but a, what is a theme or an idea or a process, a mindset within that, that you passionately disagree with? Oh, wow. D disagree with, well, I maybe have to harp back on, um, the, the, the notion of, um, independence a, a little bit. Um, I was on a, um, I was on a call, uh, a survey call recently with a large uh, director of internal audit function of a, of a global, let's say, sort of Fortune 100 type company. And he said he trains his people um, that, you know, not to think, use the word independence, but think of the word resilience. And, and he was sort of think, you know, coming at this differently saying, yeah, we have to be you know, independent when the time's right, we report to the board and, and, you know, we have to perform audits, but we also have to think about adding more value to the organization. And we do that through being resilient. And what does resilient mean in that, that context? He was saying it means having a point of view, um, you know, um, being in for the long haul, helping the company improve. And so I, I do think um, uh, uh, an area I disagree with is sort of sometimes I, I saw many organizations where companies got too stuck in the model of they had to be independent and they couldn't help um, come up with the right, you know, the right answer. So um, I personally was one that think, you know, that you could change that, that perspective. Okay. So where do you think that, like, say you come back on the show a year from now, where do you think we are a year from now? Yeah, well, I, I think um, I, I would like to say some areas have continued to Im improve things like automation and re-engineering controls. Like, like I mentioned, I think, unfortunately, in the next 12 months, you know, like everybody, the uh, COVID is, you know, intended to put a, a freeze, I think, on, on sometimes on sort of um, areas of improvement that people could make because they're just sort of still adapting 
you know, to, to, to the environment. So um, I would have to say I'm not particularly optimistic that 12 months from now, the, the situation is going to be a lot better as I was, um, you know, seeing 2020 audits go on. Some of the same issues that I mentioned were still there and being dealt with. And, um, you know, I think, um, you know, I think companies are going to continue to still be seeing those issues. Um, uh, for another example, that would be um, we did a lot of uh, SOC reports. You know, I think everybody um, in the industry is using third parties and the, uh, the SOC 1, SOC 2, the SOC reports that come out are uh, service organization control reports. For those who are new to that is the way that a company gets comfort that a third party is carrying out their process controls correctly. That is a hugely growing area because everyone's outsourcing, right? Everyone's got vendor relationships and um, those reports also have issues in them. So I think people, the other big trend I see is people having to deal with how comfortable are you with the controls at your vendors, at the vendors you're using, your third party relationships. And I think internal auditors are gonna get more and more involved in auditing the third parties that their company you know, deals with. I know that happens a lot today, but that's an area I think of growing uh, importance. I would say one more thing though, I, I do see the emergence of uh, some of the newer technologies. And one of the things we might be talking about a year from now would be um, how audits change, internal audits, external audits, or how controls change based on companies that are adopting. And what am I talking about here? Things like, um, you know, blockchain to, you know, manage assets, um, companies that, that deal in digital assets like Bitcoin or companies that are using artificial intelligence to, to run their, you know, run their systems. I do think auditors are going to face, you know, the growing emergence of these sort of 100% digitally based systems. People are sort of out of the process and, and, and maybe how thinking about how is that going to change how we audit um, those environments when, you know, we always, when I grew up thinking of, you looked at everything, it's people, process, and technology, right? PPT. Well, the people are getting to be gone <laughs> and the process is automated. So it's almost all technology. technology. Um, so I think we're going to be running into certain, um, you know, company processes that really are 100% automated and therefore how do we audit that and what is that, you know, how does that change to the, our thinking and, and, I, and I do think there's some new sort of aspects of, um, you know, when things like Bitcoin, you know, all of a sudden, you know, back in the day, we could count cash and get confirmations, you know, how do you confirm Bitcoin and, um, you know, the existence, et cetera. So, you know, I think things like that are coming um, and, and maybe a year from now, we'll be talking more about, you know, that. Yeah, I like that people process technology and there's no people and process is automated. So it's just technology. That's a really good way to put that. Okay. Is there anything else, any, any closing words you want to leave us with? Anything that, um, that you want to promote yourself? Um, like speaking engagements you have coming up, white papers, books, anything that you have coming out that you want to draw some attention to? Yeah. Um, no, I'll just, I'll just end with this. Uh, you know, Trent, it was a good conversation today. And, and you know, I, I would just say for those that are in organizations, you know, the one thing that I'm passionate about is making sure folks that have uh, IT control knowledge, um, cyber knowledge, technology risk expertise are involved in, in management or on your you know, board of directors. There's, there's quite a movement 
uh, afoot to add digitally savvy folks to the to the board to audit committees and, and et cetera, which is an area I'm I'm focused on. And so I'm hearkening this back to SOX. Um, if you think about what happened, one of the provisions of SOX is to force a financial expert to be on every board. And those people are on the audit committee generally. There's a movement afoot of some folks that I'm dealing with to have uh, a qualified technology expert also on, on every board and audit committee. Many companies are getting this that need to have someone of a cyber expertise and, and so forth um, on, their, on their board. So that's an area I'm passionate about. And uh, I hope those of you who are in companies will be pushing that, that issue as your board of director digitally um, full of digitally savvy people that understand cybersecurity, analytics, artificial intelligence, and other technology risk of today. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.